Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. We have a lot going on here today. Our Ask Me Anything. We have a short week, obviously, with Thanksgiving this week, so just three days of shows. We'll try to cram into those three days as much as we possibly can. We'll have our Ask Me Anything Next hour. Do we have some good questions this week, Todd? We do. Good. We do. Good. Uh, bottom of the hour, Bob Vanderplatz will be joining us. He's got some thoughts. He has seen the finished version of Nefarious. He got a chance to see it over the weekend. And he has some thoughts about that and how it t- maybe ties into some of the broader issues within the culture. So we'll talk to him about that uh, at the bottom of the hour. So that event went to very well. You know, you get, you get outside of your creative circle and for the first time introduce something you have made to the people that have invested in it and it's their money that is at risk here and at stake and that can be nerve-wracking right because you're thinking i don't know if the the, if the people who have money invested in this if they come away from this giving you the steve carill yikes right then you might uh you might have more money, more problems here, but uh, they could not have been more enthusiastic about what they saw. But we'll have plenty of time to get into that. I want to start, actually. Oh, that reminds me very quickly. I don't know if you saw what happened at theaters over the weekend, but The Chosen almost finished second at the box office this weekend. It finished a very narrow third, but the movie that it finished uh, behind, barely behind for second place, was on over 1,000 more screens, which means it had more opportunities Mm -hmm. to reach more people. It had much wider distribution. So The Chosen Season 3 is in theaters now. If you want to get more information uh, or you want to get tickets, uh, you can visit thechosentickets.com. That's thechosentickets.com. Season 3's first two episodes put together for one theatrical presentation in theaters all over the country right now. And then the rest of the episodes for Season 3 will start releasing for free on The Chosen app right before Christmas. But if you don't want to wait, you want to see the first two episodes now and you want to see them in theaters and obviously you're not alone because the, it did very well uh, over the weekend thechosentickets.com is where you want to go uh, watch Jesus deliver maybe the most famous sermon in history the Sermon on the Mount thechosentickets.com so we had a nice weekend in the Day's household with the first really pressure packed screening of our movie but I don't know that we had as good a weekend as what you all had over there in the Urzen household. I mean, it, it, it's, if you can have one kid who makes all state, that's pretty cool. That happened the same, re- the same weekend your other kid, and that's why you weren't here on Friday. Right. That happened the same weekend your other kid was starting for a, a, a college soccer team that is about to go to the Elite Eight. That happened. Of the NCAA tournament. That's a, that's a pretty good weekend for the Urzen family. I'm a little punchy right after the game, and of course it had to go to overtime and then to penalty kicks, which is like the deer hunter, the roulette table in the movie The Deer Hunter. But uh, so got in the car last night after hugging my daughter and 
uh, kissing her goodbye and saying happy Thanksgiving because she won't be with us for the first time because she's going to Tallahassee. And then I drove six and a half hours straight and got home at 3 a.m. this morning. So, uh, but it's all worth it, man. It, that was cool. What's it like seeing your kid compete at that high of a level? I mean, that's, that is something very few parents will ever experience, obviously. I don't know how to tell you that yet. I, uh, I don't, I, I expected her to be able to go in and make a contribution. I did not expect her because she was going to a team that went to the uh, elite eight last year to start every game in the tournament. I mean, it, it, I'm blown away. Right. I mean, this, this is considered a national power in this sport that the, the school that she's playing for, right? Yeah. They are a top 10 program now. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, to get to start for them as a freshman is no, no. tall task. And re- I think our audience should recall, this is actually, I don't want to say it's her Bo Jackson hobby sport, that, but this is the backup sport. This is not the one she's right. getting the cash for. This is kind of the one you played in the fall to stay into shape for what you do in the in the spring. The right? one, the ones who are paying the scholarship are over there right now um, looking at their watch like, track season's starting, this soccer thing's going on a little long, isn't it? But... They're really cool about it, too. Well, that is very cool. Thank you. And am I killing adequate time here, Aaron, or not? Not that I wasn't going to do this anyway by asking the Erzin family uh, how this went. I had already planned to do that, but the reason we're now interviewing the Erzin family is I am attempting to kill time here live on the air. Are we able to move on with the program, or do you need me to kill more time? I've got some bad news. Okay. No montage today. Really? What happened? I can't, I can't bring up my main playback machine. I've unplugged and replugged everything in. Hmm. Would you like me to give you a rundown of the montage, though? Why don't we just do that? Do it that way. We'll do it the old-fashioned way. Or do uh, you want to do it live? Uh, well, we'll we'll try to do it live. Okay. So I had three things in one video. Now the video, obviously, you'll not get to see. You'll uh, you'll be able to see it though. Number one, Elon Musk Twitter setting the Twitter captives free over the weekend. Multiple multiple accounts that have been suspended or banned for dubious reasons reinstated. Donald Trump, chief among those. Babylon B, finally back. It took way too long, but they're finally back. Project Veritas is back. James Lindsay is back. James Lindsay is back. There are still some accounts that have been banned for dubious reasons, like our own Daniel Horowitz Mm -hmm. and friend of the program, Shannon Joy, that are still gone and no real clear path to getting them back other than, you know, being in Elon Musk's good graces, apparently. Uh, Story number two, Asa Hutchinson and Nikki Haley. Both of them over the weekend were asked about running uh, for president in 2024. None of them, or neither of them, I should say, outright denied that. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, nobody, nobody, nobody cares. And then number three, the third story. The FDA now says its edicts regarding ivermectin for COVID-19 use. They more. They, it was like the pirate code. They were more like guidelines and actual rules anyway, trying to rot, walk back the notion that they sent edicts down from on high uh, regarding ivermectin and its use. And then finally, a video about a three minute, three minutes of catharsis, I called it, with Chip Roy on the house uh, on the house floor, absolutely torching the place. You can find that. I retweeted that over the, the weekend. At least at least at the end of the day, we've got Chip Roy in our corner. That's kind of the that's kind of the message. And uh, you can always count on him to piss off the right people. That was the montage. Today. Can I interview you about these three things? Sure. So you, may, I, you may do. We, we can. We're, we're off script here. We're off platform. Well, you like right. you, Aaron. Ra- Aaron Rodgers is now just making up plays in the dirt, you know, in real time. Yeah, it's worked for him. He's going to Canton playing that way. So by all means, we are off script. Let's roll.
Let's go in reverse and setting aside the video. Could you have possibly, with this FDA and ivermectin thing, could there possibly be more ridiculous news to serve as a promo for your new book coming out? I, I don't. There's gaslighting and then there is sociopathic behavior. Yes. Okay. I, I mean, I, I just. There are people dead, folks. There are people and not. Not an insignificant amount of people. I mean, our, our friend and perhaps the most renowned cardiologist in American history, Peter McCullough, he believes upwards of 80% of COVID deaths were, were treatable. Harvey Risch, who is one of the most academically cited um, epidemiologists in American history at Yale University. Remember, I think that might be the most, sorry, my cord is loose, fixing it. Pardon me, I'm not squirming in my seat. Um, I think that might be the most viral clip we have ever produced in the history of this show. Is when we had Harvey on earlier this fall, and not knowing what his answer would be, I had an idea that it might be one of four or five things, and, and this was one of them. But when I asked him, what, what was the biggest lie of the last 30 plus months? And he, z- he zeroed right in on hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. There are people, you have loved ones, some of you in this audience, maybe too many of you in this audience. You have loved ones right now that are not here with you. That you should be celebrating Thanksgiving with this weekend. Because they denied these treatments. They mocked them. They derided them. They sabotaged them. They gaslit them. I mean, wasn't it the FDA that put out the tweet? You're not a horse. Yeah. So stop. T- they told you to stop. You're not a horse. Stop taking ivermectin. Ivermectin was not originally a horse dewormer. They almost killed your friend, Bill Salir, a yes. Marine, because uh, every, <clears throat> every, everybody who worked in a pharmacy uh, was suddenly a stormtrooper for the empire. And that that story, by the way, will play out in several different iterations when Rise of the Fourth Reich, when that book comes out first quarter of next year. Or people who died in hospitals and they would not give them the treatments. Or or they gave them kidney failure with remdesivir instead. To come back now and say, well, I mean, these were just, you know, suggestions. It's satanic. It's beyond gaslighting. It's beyond gaslighting. It's sociopathic. It is satanic. And all these people should be Nuremberg-like trial, on trial for their lives. For their lives, they should be on trial. Every last one of them should face Capital punishment in a fair trial, of course. And I haven't brought this up in a few weeks, but let me reiterate. Even here in this joyous holiday season, what do I want for Christmas? 
to kick the stool out from underneath these people at the gallows. That's what I want. After a fair trial, though, of course. I don't, I don't know. Tell me what is a, you tell me, for those of you who think that's too harsh, you tell me what is the right, proper, and justified reaction to this level of carnage. If Alex Jones is he's he's somewhere now in the gross domestic product of of a Eastern European nation in punitive damages for Sandy Hook. What about the pain, anguish, and death all these people caused? And they did it to make money off a jab that at best didn't work. And at worst poison is you. poisoning you. Yes. Iceland. You know, the country they told us conquered COVID is sitting here as we speak currently with 23.5% higher excess mortality than it typically has. At best case, best case, they gave you, this is the best case with the jab. They rushed it. They didn't properly test it. It showed some limited efficacy against the initial strain of the virus, and it has gone, it has gone negative efficacy ever since. That's the best-case scenario. <laughs> That's the best-case scenario. Want to talk likely cases? Want to go really dark on Thanksgiving week? Let's get into worst cases. You're nothing but a depopulation scheme to these people. Nothing. Nothing more. Nothing less. And those who advocate such Malthusian, satanic depopulation schemes should, like Haman, who was hung from the very gallows he constructed in order to genocide God's people and the reward he was given... He was given his reward in full. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man will always reap what he sows. He was given his reward in full. He wanted to see someone hung on the gallows he constructed. He got to see it. He was. We should give them the depopulation scheme they're asking for. And we start with them. After a fair trial, of course. Next question you wanted to ask me. Yes. Hutchinson and Haley, two-parter. A, would you acknowledge that even if you think these two are insignificant contenders, they aren't the same insignificant contender. Haley is a much more serious person to deal with than Agreed. Him. Agreed. And B... Neither one of them are serious candidates, well, but she's a much more serious person than he is. Part B, yes. isn't she... Whatever it is... What, <laughs> Actually, let me, let me rephrase that, and then maybe you'll agree with this. They're, neither one of them are serious challengers, but she's a more serious candidate than, she, than he is. Are you okay with that framing? Yeah. Okay. But would you acknowledge that she's a more serious challenger now than what you thought she was just a week and a half ago. Again, that may be from 10% to 20% or whatever. No, I think it's less. It's less. I think it's even less. Why? I think it's a, I think it's a two-person race. But you always have. So. I have, but, it, but it, it's even become more solidified. Because there won't be... there The, the establishment... And, and now this is what, what will be determined in this primary. And I, I, I think, given Ron DeSantis's behavior and record, 
I think I'm on solid footing in my view of these circumstances, but it's also November 21st of 2022, and we're probably not going to have a vote that counts until January of 24 at the absolute earliest and more than likely February of 24. Okay. So we got a ways to, to let this, these things play out and see, because there are some of you that think that Ron has sold out and that's why he has these people's support. This is not the show to come to for me to talk you off a cynical ledge, not the program, not, not the show. Not here to talk anybody off of virtually any cynical ledges provided that it doesn't, it, it starts from some premise of, acknowledged truth or precedent, right? Okay. If you're coming at me with, well, I think Ron DeSantis actually is one of the grays that anally probed me in the trailer park. I'm going to talk you off that ledge or push you off of it. One of the two. Okay. But if we're talking a place that has some basis of recent precedent or fact, even if I don't necessarily translate the events the way you do, I'm not here to talk you off of that cynicism, especially when we're in, if, if, when we're in, an, in an environment or a process that will show us and tell us what the answer to, those, to that question is, right? So basically you're saying, you what, you're telling me a politician could possibly sell out? Correct. Uh, yeah. Correct. Sure. Yeah, yes. You know, like Trump putting Elaine Chow and, and, his, yes. and Reince Priebus and all these uh, hacks in his first administration. You know, like that. Not like Trump not actually draining the swamp and then handing his presidency over to it on March 16th of 2020. Yeah, stuff like that can happen. All right. Um, after what Scott Walker and I think Ron DeSantis is transcendently better than Scott Walker was. But if you would have told me that Scott Walker would have been the most unifying figure on the on the on the right during the Tea Party era, then would have announced and ran for president on a platform that sounded like something the Cato Institute literally lifted a butt cheek and in in runny fashion, um, you know, had a courtesy flush in the men's room. I'd have never believed it. Right. But when he came to Iowa, what did, what did he actually run on? The courtesy flush. That was his platform. And he didn't make it to Halloween. So I don't think you would have told me when Rick Perry looked like King Kong and he showed up in Iowa and his campaign was over in 10 minutes when people find out that he tried to impose an HPV, HPV vaccine mandate on boys. Yeah. So I always reserve the right to acknowledge I've been backstabbed later when it comes to anybody. And I mean anybody with an R after their name. All right. Now this one would be one of the most tragic, if not the most tragic uh, heel turns if it were to happen. Fair? Mm-hmm. But but given who he has represented and been up to this point, I am going to make, just like, why? Because he proved to me he's a badass. And so I'm going to make Ron DeSantis prove to me now that he's not that he's not Hulk Hogan coming down the aisle to I'm just, I'm a real American, but he's going, he's actually NWO Hulk Hogan. I'm going to make him prove that to me. He's going to, he's going to actually have to dye the beard brunette. Okay. And, and, and tear off the shirt and have the NWO logo on it. It's going to need to say that because no one has a trophy wall like Ron DeSantis does. Nobody does. Hell you got Disney now firing their CEO. No one has it. So that guy, in my view, has earned my benefit of the doubt. Did I say he has earned a permanent exemption from being vetted? Is that what I said? No. No. I said he has earned a benefit of the doubt. Just like, frankly, on anything that's not Uber crisis related, Trump's earned my benefit of the doubt. I just don't trust him in an Uber crisis. Why? Because did he he earn our trust from March 16th onward in his presidency of 2020? 
No, and it's pretty clear that almost everything moving forward will be an Uber crisis. Yeah, because they really realized that now. worked. Has he shown any self-awareness or... or <laughs> exactly. So let's move on. So, 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 so on foreign policy questions, Trump has, has earned my benefit of the doubt on that. On knowing how to handle China, on knowing how to handle the media, Trump has earned my benefit of the doubt on those things. But, but Ron DeSantis is going to have to show me that he dyed the beard and he's wearing the NWO shirt. Sure. That he, he's going to have to visibly do a heel turn for me to assume it. Because he's earned yeah, sure. my otherwise benefit of the doubt. Okay, and, said and, Fox and, is... And, 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 and so, that, 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 I'm being long-winded, forgive me. It is clear that a lot of us, what we would call in the past, establishment figures like Paul Ryan and Fox News are behind Ron DeSantis. That is clear. It's obvious. And that's why these were, this, this would have provided Nikki Haley oxygen in the room. She has none. She's less than John Kasich. Okay, but remember, Fox News was against Trump before they went all in on Trump last time. Mm-hmm. What if they're with DeSantis now because he's obviously the one they think they need to behind? But what if, if to get move Trump aside? But that doesn't, there's, as you said last week, we got two years of this to go. Mm-hmm. What if, if, set Fox aside for a second, what if all of the moneyed interests and all of the legacy establishment GOP coalesces behind Nikki Haley? We'll make it, then, then, at that point, then um, Donald Trump is probably just a nominee. They can't win on their own. That's why they're flirting with Ron DeSantis. They're too marginalized. They're too tainted. Um, Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump, provided both of them are alive, one of those two is going to be the Republican. And provided that this is a country still in 2024, one of those two will be the Republican nominee. So Ron DeSantis will do to, to Donald Trump what Ted Cruz did to Rand Paul, which is eat into enough of his traditional liberty base combined with the conservative grassroots that he appeals to that he wiped Rand Paul out and, and I, he occupied that space now. All right. Ron DeSantis will do that to Trump, that he'll eat enough of his MAGA base combined with traditional conservative grassroots and some elements of the establishment that have just made a Faustian, bar- a, F- a Faustian bargain and made their peace with the reality that they can't ever move this party to the left ever again. He'll either be successful at that or Donald Trump will be the nominee, provided Trump's healthy and alive. All right. Now, now a question you should ask me of Trump's pushing 80 years old. Yeah. What if he can't? What if he can't be there? What if something comes up, right? And now Ron DeSantis solely steps into that space. Now, some of the people you're talking about, could they decide, could they do the heel turn and say, you know, like that gif, you know, where the guy looks yeah. back and, and then like Nikki Haley's the one, and the one, you know, the one they're looking back at? Mm-hmm. That could happen. Yeah. But Nikki Haley cannot, and no one else for that matter, exists as a viable candidate as long as both Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis are viable. Third, uh, Twitter, two-parter, and maybe you have little birdies that have answers for this, but there's a lot of people that uh, are on Twitter instantly reacting. Uh, I mean, Rome was not built in a day. and like, why not this? Why not that? What, what does it appear to be the success so far of his attack on this from a business perspective? Elon Musk, Elon Musk a leader perspective, forget. And then B... 
how whatever the case may be what you see how is that changing affecting the political landscape going forward the reality is, if you don't want Donald Trump to be president of the United States again, restoring his Twitter account is one of the best things you could do. It only cost him about 40 House seats in 2018. Right? We, we can't be the industry that talks about, oh, hey, it's okay, though. The, the country's melting down. No mean tweets. And then suddenly act like people didn't vote against Trump because of the mean, mean tweets. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They, they did. That's just the reality of it. It'd be a, we would be lying to you and ourselves to claim otherwise. So why are they not cheering the fact that he brought Trump back? Now, we have told you on this show, we told you when this was discussed, when Musk first started talking about buying this in April or May, we're not sure Trump can go back to Twitter. I'm surprised more people are not talking about this. He has a fiduciary interest in another publicly traded competing platform. If you have invested in that truth social platform and Trump resigns his shares and goes to Twitter or just goes there anyway, you're not... I don't know. I'm like, you just got uh, played on your investment, right? There's a, there, there could, and I, and I think we all agree that the last thing Donald Trump needs right now is another legal inquiry with subpoena power and in dis, a discovery process. And so I'm not exactly sure he will go back anyway because of what I just said, as long as truth social exists. But if you don't want Trump to be president again, the smartest thing you can do is just is hand him that back again and provide endless content fodder for enemy media. Here's why they're losing their minds. Because they're playing for bigger stakes than, you know, like we're sitting here having, and we're guilty of it too. So when I say we, I'm including us, okay? We're sitting here having conversations about a primary election where a vote will be cast for, what are we talking about? Uh, 14, 15, 16 months. Okay. (laughs) They're not playing for the next election, guys. They're angry that Elon Musk has expanded the Overton window, that he is not taking their cues of who is acceptable and what is acceptable to be discussed and who is acceptable to be consumed. He's making his own choices for his own reasons. Because they're playing for something even more transcendent than electoral politics. Raw, raw power. Comprehensively raw power. And that's why they're losing their minds over this, over Trump being brought back. Because maybe Alex Jones is now more radioactive than Trump in their minds, in the minds of the intelligentsia. But those two are clearly in a tier by themselves, right? And so it's not a coincidence. Bring Trump back. Project Veritas is back. James Lindsay is back. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Okay. Because if you rip the seal off of bringing Trump back, then there's no justification for not bringing back almost the rest of these people. And that's what they don't want. You know, this is, this is the alternative media version of the scene in the event on your, on your right, except it's on your right, on your right, Mm -hmm. on your right. Okay. They don't want that. So, so even though it is a political gift to them to hand Trump a vat of kerosene known as Twitter and say, here's some matches, right? It's a political gift to them. Trump is pushing 80 years old. While he is a potent political force in America right now, maybe the most potent force politically we have right now, that will not be an indefinite process. If he were to win the presidency, he gets term limited right away. He's a lame duck right away. And he's 80, It's a lot of the people and entities that we just mentioned that he cleared brush for 
that he did that he that he he did a lot of the heavy lifting to mainstream people like Project Veritas and those people do great work. That's what they're concerned about. Oh. That he's basically the gateway drug to even up this fight again, where information flows primarily in America, Twitter. That's what the concern is about. I don't think Musk has any motivations other than he wants Twitter to be successful. And he has, and, and this is totally going by, you know, I think his own whims, frankly, if you watch the pattern of behavior, which means there must not be anything on, out there on him. There just must not be, other than what we already know. Because, man, if he had ever been to Epstein Island or anything at all like that, we, we would know it now. Don't you think? We would, we would know it now. A little surprised they aren't just making Or they just off. make it up. That's, that's true, too. The problem is he's the richest man in the world. Think he might have a few lawyers that could go after some stuff like that? Yep. Like, he, like you see what he subtweeted, the uh, Anti-Defamation League? Mm. He subtweeted them these words over the weekend, why are you defaming me? Elon Musk could buy and sell the Anti-Defamation League about 27 times over, okay? So I don't know if he's with us. I just know he's not with them. Might be out here doing his own thing. You know what I'm saying? Okay. He might be out here. He might, he might be the, the social media John Brown, if you know what I mean. All right? Just out here on his own, one man, you know, quest, and, and just dropping bombs. But he's clearly not with them. And they recognize that he is a loose cannon that they're having a hard time controlling. And traffic, by the way, on Twitter has soared. I know it sounds weird, right? Let people say more of what they really think and bring back people who had a hell of a lot of followers and your traffic goes up. Weird. Weird how that works, right? Bring back people like Trump who had a ton of followers and the traffic goes up. Odd. It's like, you know, like a real business or something. You know, when you buy things like the typical dad gifts, loungewear, sweatpants, underwear, I don't know, is it, do you buy your old man underwear? Or is it just, is that kind of like, no, no? You've just shattered the dude code in the last is, is it? 10 seconds. Okay. <laughs> I mean, my kids have always been good about, it. I don't get like ties and stuff, you know, the typical dad gifts. But if you want to get your dad something that he will definitely use year round, even more so than the Jelly of the Month Club, Clark, okay? Check out our friends over at Tommy John. It is the absolute greatest underwear on the market. I can't give it a better, better endorsement than after they gave me the first three pairs for free when they came on board a few years ago. Every other pair of underwear I have bought since then out of my own pocket has been from them. I, I can't give one of our partners a better endorsement other than I spend my own money on them as well. And they've got great loungewear and those pajamas, especially as we're getting into the, the winter, wintry, colder months, right? They do have uh, a lineup for the ladies as well. Can't say I've tried that. I'm not Lindsey Graham after all. Uh, but uh, I, I'm sure it's great because I know the stuff they do for the guys is. All right. So go to TommyJohn.com slash Steve. And how about this 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 is the biggest discount i ever recall seeing them offer on our show 30 percent off site-wide right now they're going to let you start black friday shopping right now when you go to tommyjohn.com slash steve 30 percent off 30 percent off at tommyjohn.com slash steve let's welcome in 
Good friend of the program from the family leader, Bob Vanderplatz. Good to see you, brother. How are you? Doing really well. Thanks for asking. So you attended the screening of Nefarious that we did for the investors in the film. Uh, you and your wife were there on Saturday. Uh-huh. And you had read the script, but have not. you had not seen any of the footage at all by your choice. You wanted to wait until the movie was completed before you had a chance to watch Saw it. Saw a little bit of the filming in Oklahoma City, but that was it. That was it. So without spoiling absolutely anything, what were your thoughts after seeing the movie? It was powerful. Uh, very matter of fact, as I told our team without spoiling anything just now, I said, my expectations went in very low. And the reason they went in very low is I was hearing all this commentary about how good this is from the people who have watched it, including yourself. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that gave me a hedge on going in with low expectations, I know you're such a big critic on everything you do. Mm -hmm. So I thought, if he thinks it's pretty good, it must be pretty good. But Darla and I talked about this after the movie, and Darla said, blew her expectations out of the water. Then we both said, there's not another movie out there like this. I mean, we, we at least we can't recall another movie out there like this. But we think it has a great opportunity to deliver a powerful, powerful, powerful message for such a time as this. Uh, I really can't wait for it to come out right now. I can't wait to encourage so many people to go see it. And these are friends and neighbors, coworkers, uh, just people you do life with, of saying you need to go see this movie. And I'm not saying that because it's your movie. Mm -hmm. I'm saying it because it was exceptionally well done. I think one of the investors who said, you know, this is Academy Award-winning stuff. This is as good as it gets right now. Sean's performance is absolutely Academy Award stuff. It, well, now, given the subject matter, it won't even appear on the right. radar, obviously. Yeah. But it's 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 Nicholson in the Shining yeah. stuff. Yeah, it, Sean's performance, obviously. Talking off, about Sean Patrick the, Flanner, who plays Nefarious, yeah, by the way. Off the yeah. charts good. Jordan's performance so outstanding as well. I mean, everybody did a great job in the way the movie was put together. Uh I was on the edge of my seat. Now, remember, I've read the script. Mm -hmm. Remember, I've been, I mean, I may not have seen all the scenes, but I've been around you a lot. Mm -hmm. So I kind of know what's coming up and all this stuff. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. It had me locked in. That's what Darla said, too. She goes, it went by like that, and she was just locked into the movie the entire time. Maybe the best endorsement is is when your banker shows up who helped you, <laughs> helped you and your investors finance this entire thing, right? Yeah. When your banker shows up, and, you know, he sits in the front row all by himself and you're like, all right, bean counter, say what? Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, and he's like, I got to tell you, man, my resting heart rate's normally 55 or 60. And it, we got, I mean, we get into the final act of the film. I'm, I'm looking at my heart rate monitor and my resting heart rate right now. It was pushing like a hundred. Yeah. I mean, I was, I mean, that's how intense that movie gets as we get down to its, its climax. Yeah, yeah. I thought his comments, but all the comments that you asked for afterwards, and what was there, 20 people in the theater? Yeah, maybe? I think we had 20 or 25, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. in the theater. I thought the young people uh, who showed up as grandkids. Mm -hmm. One of our investors brought his grandkids. Now, before you freak out, because it is a horror movie. Yeah. I mean, they're basically like seniors and stuff in high school. These are essentially young adults. Yeah. They're old enough for it. One of them said something that, that I thought, well, two of them, one of them said, it's, this is not what I expected. Yeah. That basically when grandpa said, we're going to go see a Christian movie. I'm like, I guess it's a free meal and a free movie on a Saturday night. Right. Yeah. And I, it was, in fact, I'm kind of speechless because it wasn't what I expected it to be at all. And then another one said, for the first time, I feel like, you know, 
you've made a, a faith-based movie, you know, I'm, I'm in playing sports and everything around a lot of kids who don't believe or are atheists Mm -hmm. for the first time you guys have made a faith-based movie where I think I could take them to this movie. And they would enjoy it, and it would cause us to have a conversation about it afterwards. I was going to say, that's the other thing that I picked up from his comments is when he said, it got me thinking like crazy. Mm -hmm. And I could see this as being a conversation starter. I loved how you put that, is that you're not here to basically win the argument. You're here to start the argument. Right. Uh, Too many Christian films, uh, I, I think... And we've got, and to be fair, we have gotten much better at making Christian movies in the last decade. Mm-hmm. And the guys we made this movie with over at Believe Entertainment are one of the reasons for that. You with bet. films like Unplanned, for example. But there is still this notion and idea that every Christian in some circles, and particularly, by the way, with with in the older generation, and that matters because they're the ones with the money to fund these sure. sorts of projects, all right? People my age and younger in a lot of cases, don't have the resources to fund these kinds of projects yet. Mm -hmm. And so the pressure they put on you that, you know, okay, but at the end, it's going to be like a Hallmark movie, right? And she marries the guy and they live happily. Everything has to fit in, fit into a world of order. Yeah, check the boxes. Okay, you can show, we can show like fallen human nature in Genesis, but we have to get to Revelation and Jesus wipes the tear off everybody's eye when we get to the end, right? Yeah. And I think you... If you box yourself into that from a storytelling perspective, particularly if you're trying to do it in 90 minutes to to, to two hours in one sitting, right? The Chronicles of Narnia eventually got you there in the last battle, but how many books did it take to get to that point, right? Left Behind eventually got you there, but how many books did it take to get to that point? If you're trying to do that all the time in 90 to 120 minutes, you can really contrive a certain amount of corniness, frankly, Mm. and that has plagued a lot of, of, of Christian filmmaking. And so, I didn't, you know, these guys know what they're doing. I've never made a movie before. I don't, I don't know how to make a movie. I think I know how to tell a decent story. That's why they bought mine. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I didn't like have a lot of, you know, I didn't backseat drive or Monday morning quarterback. I did have a couple non-negotiables when we made this movie though. And one of them is there will be an after credit scene and there will be. (laughs) Uh, And the other, and the other is um, no cheesy conversion scene. Yeah. Doesn't mean, by the way, that doesn't mean there's not a redemptive element to this film. I'll just say that, right? Mm-hmm. But there is no cheesy conversion scene. Nefarious isn't going to let you off that easy. That's not what he does. No. Matter of fact, uh, Steve, you brought up uh, the producers of the movie, and they've done a lot of good work. You talk about God's Not Dead, Unplanned, those type of things. Uh, the piece, though, what they said is that God's hand is all over this movie all over this movie. And so we're really, really excited about getting this movie out. So tie it to where we are at now in this moment as a people culturally. Well, first of all, I tie it to it is that uh, at our church, we're going through Genesis 1. And it's God's creation. And there's a created order to things. And Satan's goal the entire time has been, how can I disrupt? How can I dismantle? How, How can I take down God's created order. And so when we're surprised that um, marriage is a big issue today, that's God's created order. Satan's going to go after the institution of marriage. When we're surprised about male and female, that's God's created order. I'm not so sure Satan even thought we'd get there that quick, but we're here discussing this stuff. We're debating this stuff. And so when you take a look at what happened in the U.S. Senate last week, And in the U.S. Senate last week, 
is uh, when the vote for the District Respect Marriage Act took place. The closure vote took place, allowing that bill to go forward. And they knew they needed 10 Republicans to join them so that they could get to that 60 vote threshold for closure to go forward, meaning that the bill can now be up for debate. And now it's only going to need 50 votes. So, you know, it's going to pass. And so we just needed 10 pro-family at every chicken dinner there is Republicans to show up and say, yeah, let closure go through on the Disrespect Marriage Act. Let's codify same-sex marriage in law. And by the way, let's take a sledgehammer to religious liberty while we're in the process of doing it as well. Well, not just 10 Republicans voted for it, but 12 Republicans. You know why, though? They had just 10. We'd be able to isolate those 10. So you you do a couple more, which makes moving targets for people like you not to be able so easily be able to go after in a primary. That's why they game plan it like that. If they needed 14, they would have come up with 16. That's how the game is played. It was a a movement. You know, so we, we, we needed 10, but we got 12. The fact of the matter is everybody knows who those 12 are. And my guess is one of them is someone who's who has. uh, wanted to be in front of your audience numerous times over the years, and Senator Joni Ernst. Senator Joni Ernst is, is gravely disappointing to us that she would be one of those votes. And um, and so what's interesting, though, Steve, is that before that vote took place, for a while I thought I was in the U.S. Senate caucus because I was communicating with Ted Cruz, I was communicating with Tom Cotton, I was communicating with Tim Scott, I was communicating with Lindsey Graham. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? Yeah. Yeah, and Lindsey Graham you didn't call some Lindsey Graham on your private line. Well, Lindsey has been calling me frequently, but the fact is, Steve, I know you throw him under the bus a lot, mm-hmm. and probably deservedly so a lot of times. But right now, he's the only U.S. senator who's willing to put some parameters on these blue states on how long can you kill babies. And a lot of his Senate colleagues are saying, don't put abortion into our reelection before the November 2022 election. So give the guy some credit on life, but now give the guy some credit on marriage. He stood firm on this marriage vote. He was trying to get his colleagues to vote no on this disrespect marriage act. Not just I, because I don't, it, I don't know if I've ever been more disappointed to hear anything in my entire life. <laughs> you should be encouraged. He's on our side. He's on, at least now he's on our side. Are and you that's telling what, me I might have just made my last Lindsey Graham crack for the no, foreseeable future? No, well, it's up. It's up to you what you do with the Lindsey Graham cracks. But what I'm saying. <laughs> No pun intended. Try the veal. Try the veal. <laughs> Bob Vanderplatz, so, ladies and gentlemen. So here's the deal, though, is at least he's with us now. And so he called me up after the vote, and he said, I think we have another option. It's going to need another closure vote. We just got a new contract. Steve um, just looks like he retired in his uh, heart right there. <laughs> Steve just spiked a, 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 the ball in the end zone. I am, I am devastated to bemused simultaneously. <laughs> I don't know how to receive this. Okay. However, what they are saying is that if we take on the Mike Lee Amendment now, which has at least real teeth for religious liberty, these 12 Republicans could hold firm on Mike Lee's amendment. And if they did, they could say, listen, we're not going to give you your vote to, to proceed by voting on this bill unless you stay with this amendment. If the Democrats who want to crush religious liberty, by the way, say we're not going to do his amendment because it'll protect religious liberty. It could kill the bill if the Republicans stay together. Now, if the Democrats say, "Okay, put the amendment on, we're still going to vote for culture and we're going to take a vote. More Republicans may vote for the disrespect for marriage, but at least it would have stronger religious liberty implications with Mike Lee's amendment. So what Lindsey was telling me and others, there's an opportunity and kudos to Mike Lee. 
kudos to James Langford, Lindsay, Ted Cruz, who are looking for a way to at least stop the bleeding on insanity on this deal. Okay. For the remainder of this year, if you're telling me the truth, and, and you usually are, we've got about, what, four weeks of shows left before Christmas vacation, somewhere in there? Sure, sounds okay. about right. For the remainder of this year, I will not, I will not dunk on Lindsey Graham's unacknowledged and non-publicly admitted peccadillos for the remainder of this year. Well, could and, and and in deference to what you're telling me, that if he's, I want to be very careful how I put this, so I don't walk into the next promo that Aaron puts together. All right. Um. Edit, Aaron. Edit. <laughs> no, we already got Bob's. We, had, we got a permanent uh, drop with Bob there. I don't. I don't need to walk into that one. Um, on on the ground on the on the off chance they that Lindsey Graham is sincerely with us on this. Is that okay to say? For whatever his own reasons may be, I won't muzzle the ox while it's treading the grain for the next few weeks. How's that? That's the, probably the best I can offer right now. You broke him, Bob. That's solid work right uh, there. Uh, well I, done. I, 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 I'd give you a lot of applause. <laughs> the thing is, what the audience needs to understand, though, regardless of what we think of Senator Graham or any of the other senators, if the other senators would have held firm to this marriage bill, like Lindsey Graham and others did, you wouldn't have it today. You would have sent the country a message, at least. Mm -hmm. And we would have been cheerleading them on, applauding them for thank you. for. I mean, after that miserable midterm election, that's what you're going to do. And that's one of the reasons why, Steve, I, uh, I was really upset with our own U.S. Senator Joan Harris. One is because she, you know, we like Joni, and we've helped out Joni. We've helped her win election and win re-election. But not only did she vote for this, she also then right away got to be the fourth person in the GOP caucus heading up the policy for the GOP caucus. I'm thinking, you're going to head up policy for the GOP caucus? Purely coincidental timing. Right after this vote. But what a standard. Right after this vote, that's the... So to me, here's the issue. Yeah. You know, let's get Mike Lee's amendment onto this deal. Let's stop it in closure. Or at least put the amendment to the bill, which... We still won't be happy with the bill, but we'll be happier with the amendment on protection of religious liberty. I agree with you, but what does it say about where we are right now, societally? Well, I think that's why that your movie is, is so apropos right this now. Is, this, is what, this is the ground we're now trying to defend. What does that tell us about what maybe our long-term prospects as a people might be? It's uh, revival or bust. Yeah. This is Satan's end game the entire way. Destroy God's created order. Yeah. Close up the scriptures. Uh, I want to seek and destroy and kill God's most beloved creation. That is you. And that's your family. Yeah. And that's your culture. That's your society. I come to steal, to kill, and destroy. So John 10, 10 says. And so that's we shouldn't be surprised. And that's, what, and that's what Nefarious will clearly communicate in this film. With, that's why He I'm, is going to take you to church, albeit with a sermon Maybe in a way, done in a way you have not heard before. Never. 30 seconds, you get the last word. I'm just saying that's why I'm so excited about your movie. And I, and I say that not in a way of, you know, just being, you know, patting you on the back and trying to make amends for, you know, an unintended pun. <laughs> it's an opportunity 
for this generation, the next generation, kids, families, to really wrestle with reality. And you're seeing it get played out in current day politics. Well said, man. Thank you. God bless. Same to you. Hour two's next. Two live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Aaron McIntyre. He is Todd Erzin. You are you, and you can let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox by emailing the show. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter and Getter, and then look for me as well at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social. And you can get clips of the show for real without any censorship and for free when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And for those of you listening to the podcast, remember the last name is D-E-A-C-E. And speaking of those of you listening to the podcast, you're a big part of why we are going to be hanging around here for another few years with a new contract. Uh, We have uh, all of you, uh, all of you, whether you watch on Blaze TV, listen on Blaze Radio, but a special thank you to those on the podcast audience because our podcast numbers have exploded here in the last couple of years. And so thank you so much. Please, if you haven't yet done this, leave us a five-star review where you podcast from. Hit subscribe and follow for us as well. Thank you to all of you, the thousands upon thousands that have done those things for us already. This part of the show brought to you by our friends over at Tyga Coolers. If you're looking for a unique gift... Or you realize it is still tailgate season after all. But if you're looking for a unique gift this Christmas shopping season, one of the outstanding, customized, lifetime warranty guaranteed, all American-made coolers from our friends at Tyga Coolers, that might be it. Uh, If you want to customize it for clients, you can put their logo on these coolers. You want to customize it for your clients, you can put your logo on there. You want to customize it for your family. I don't know, you have a family crest. (laughs) I mean, whatever you want to do with that, as long as it doesn't violate current copyright law, they are happy to do it. Or they'll just give you a really phenomenal cooler as well that's American-made with a lifetime warranty for 10% off with the promo code Steve when you go to tigacoolers.com. T-A-I-G-A, T-A-I-G-A for tigacoolers.com. And again, use the discount code Steve for 10% off at tigacoolers.com. Time for this week's Ask Me Anything. Our Facebook followers are up with this week's questions. You know the drill. I've not seen any of them. Todd has curated them according to what he thinks uh, or is interested in seeing me answer uh, live on the air. Uh, You hit them with me cold, and Aaron, you have the question, so uh, fire when ready. All righty, we will begin with Matt Skaggs, who asks, would there have been a quote-unquote red wave in Florida if COVID fascism had never happened, and thus Ron DeSantis would not have had a once-in-a-lifetime political springboard to set himself apart from other governors. I think that's something I hadn't considered, Matt, and I think you're probably onto something. Uh, given the overall economic performance in, in, in the state, do I think that DeSantis still would have been reelected without COVID? I do. But might it have been something that, even by Florida standards, would have been considered uh, a pretty solid 
statewide victory for a Republican, like say four to six points. Yeah, uh, probably something in that neighborhood. You're, you're looking at, it was darn near 60-40. And I, I, I think what allowed Ron DeSantis to set himself apart and not be seen as a Republican is how well he governed in that crisis and then also the hurricane about two weeks before the election. There's a lot of people that are like, I'm never voting for a Republican. I'm not voting for a Republican. That guy's not, that, that's my governor. There were a lot of people, I'm not voting for a Republican. I'm not voting for a Republican. Ronald Reagan is president. That's my president. And, and, and can you guide people capably and inspirationally through a crisis? Um, can you, when it looks like everything else around them is falling apart, provide them an anchor, a port in that storm so they still feel secure, safe, and free? He did that. And he reaped the rewards for it. And I think that absolutely explains the level of margin that he was able to run up here. You guys have any thoughts on that one? How how visible... We just got done... You got asked a question on Friday, if memory serves, about uh, Christina Pusha. Mm-hmm. Like We see her on Twitter within this world, this professional class, punditry class. But like, uh, how visible... Is she to your average Floridian? That's a, I don't know the answer to that because I'm not an average Floridian. So I don't, I don't, I don't know how much she is front and center within local media. But at the very least, would she not be a reflection of the yes. overall quality of messaging that goes on within that administration daily? Well, right? it, I think it's irrelevant or immaterial whether or not she's in front of cameras or microphones because her messaging is borne out it, just one to one in in governance. In, in my opinion, so. Does I guess, that answer your question? Well, one reason I ask is it, if it's very obvious that she is in front of people, she's known, and that, that direct, I mean, he he's direct, he's not afraid to fight, but it, I, I, I like what you said about he, he's just our governor. It's a lot, if she's visible, it's a lot hard to say that about her. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's just a flat out, political savage and there's no putting her just as an everyman i mean she's a political partisan and if the more she's known it's quite encouraging to me if she's quite visible and quite known because it means that you also can have people behind you uh doing work that listen we don't have to do sleight of hand we don't have to kind of couch this um i i think it i'm Listen, we have no options for blueprints, really, because most of our options suck. Mm -hmm. I'm just more fascinated to know more and more details going forward about how he does this there. We've learned two lessons in the last few cycles that are very important, I think, for us moving forward. Number one is, and people want to say, well, he was greatly benefited by Hillary Clinton being the Democratic nominee. And I agree with that. I don't know how anybody could disagree with that. But stop and think about the fact. Look at the rest of their stable over there. I mean, there, there, there's a reason why a one-term senator from uh, that was a very untested politician who went from community activist to state legislator to the U.S. Senate and had no executive experience, had no private sector experience, Minimal, really, life experience. 
He's out there writing a second memoir by the time he's 40. There's a reason why, despite those clear weaknesses as a candidate, that Barack Obama broke through, yeah, but is he electable, that we wrestle with, to that's what I want my candidates on the Democratic side to look and to sound like him. Who else in what was a very crowded field in 2008, who else looked and sounded like him? Nobody. Who else looked and sounded like him in 2016? Nobody. Who else looked and sounded like him in 2020? Should I go on? Nobody. Uh, should Joe Biden not make it to 2024 and they have another open primary? Who looks and sounds like him in the next cycle? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So uh, did Trump benefit from natural generic dislike of Hillary Clinton? Yes. And anybody the Republicans would have nominated would have done the same. But I don't believe that's unique. I mean, they, they, didn't res, they didn't go weekend at Bernie's on Super Tuesday because, with Joe Biden because they had the next Barack Obama teed up out there, guys. They don't. They have a thin bench there. So this lesson that Trump taught us still applies. You can absolutely and mercilessly destroy and savage the American media and still win. Absolutely, you can do it. Absolutely, you can. Here's the lesson that DeSantis taught us moving forward. Our people can govern hard right and talk hard right while in office, provided they're good at governing. Donald Trump is not serving out his second term today because of mean tweets. He is not serving out his second term today because he surrendered his presidency to a scam. And then, and that was what led to them creating ballot harvesting operations all over the country that we then saw, particularly in Arizona, play itself out in this election. That's why he's not president today. He didn't govern well. Ron DeSantis won by 20 points because he governed well. And if Ron DeSantis did not govern well, and he was just as hard right in his messaging and issues, would he be governor of Florida today? No. The number one thing our people have to do when they get elected is they have to govern well. Number one. Trump taught you can absolutely run against the media as essentially the Democratic candidate and win the election. He taught us that. We long suspected it here on talk radio shows like this, right? But it had not really ever been tried and tested in a real-time environment, mainly because you guys kept nominating, and I, this one is you guys, because I didn't vote for any of these people, even in generals. You guys kept nominating Republicans who preferred the media to you, like Mc, you know, Mick Romney. So, you know, we suspected it, those of us who do this for a living, you know, we suspected you could just use the media as your essential foil to run for office against and just savage them. They're hated. But really, until Trump came along, wasn't really tried. He proved that. He's the proof of concept on that. Here is the proof of concept that Ron DeSantis has provided. If you govern well, you can give zero Fs on virtually any every issue if you want. If you govern well. If you don't, you can't. So govern well. Excellent first question. Thank you.
We move on to Ed Grant, who asks, isn't it time for a third party, or do we just need to go local and rebuild the party so there are no Dempublicans? I don't think you have time for either one of those things. You know, I used to say years ago, when the whole third party conversation would come up, I, I'd like to try a second party first. That still, by the way, applies, especially on a national level. I, I don't think you have time for any of those kinds of efforts. I think, I think the signs of the times are, choose ye this day whom you will serve. If Baal is Lord, go and serve him. If Jehovah is Lord, do what he says. I think that's the time that it is. I think generational plans, um, the idea of in, the, in a decade we can turn over the leadership of the no, no or a step. No, no, I don't think you have any time for that. Guys, there's news out today we didn't have time to even put in the montage. That Dick Levine has known since, what is it, 2017? that there wasn't any medical data whatsoever for meatball surgery on kids. They were just taking them to the island of Dr. Moreau anyway. And they've got emails acknowledging it. They can't cite any data that this is good because that's not what this is about. We started off this show talking about the fact there are a not a insignificant amount of you who are going to be down a, a woman or down a man at Thanksgiving this year because they denied them hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. And on top of that, replaced them, made them wait for it to be replaced by a dangerous and deadly jab. We don't have time for that. How is 10 this, year plans don't have time for any of that. How is this different uh, from the uh, first Republican Party candidate running for president in 18... 18- 56, mm-hmm. four years, I, his name escapes me, but four years later, just four years. Right. Lincoln wins. Lincoln mm-hmm. wins. Yep. How is this different? I don't think it's much different at all. I mean, the country was on then an Then why exist- is there no, and I'm asking more, because as I, a, it's I, an I, interesting I, question. No, not because I would of, argue the country was on a very existential cliff right then and there. Right. Absolutely. So why do, do we have four years? If we, I'm just saying for the sake, I start a third party now. Who knows how that breaks up this paradigm four the other, years the other, later. Well, well okay. Uh, let me give a more practical answer. We didn't have a two-party duopoly in the mid-19th century like we do now. We had operated with splinter parties and uh, splintering off of parties really since the, the beginning of the Republic. The idea of total and complete unilateral control of ballot access with a, with a, uh, with a political unibrow party did not exist in the mid-19th century as it does today. So the, 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 the time, effort, and expense to get on these ballots... Um, is extraordinary. I, I, I have no idea where that kind of revenue so, would come from, that kind of organization would come from. I don't. I just don't. So you're saying even if you have a revolution of worldview, inspiration, psychology, n- none of that addresses the just the terra firma, how elections are won and lost in terms of the m- machine yeah. aspect of things. That part is much different. That's yeah, I mean, if... Let me, get, get let, yeah. let, let, let me bottom line it with this final point. If you couldn't reach a critical mass of people that refused to take an experimental jab in order to work, if, if you couldn't get a critical mass of people to say, stop choking my kid out with your Chinese cloth face diaper, I don't believe you can reach a critical mass of people to create some kind of viable third party. We are, we are in hand-to-hand combat mode. 
And the first thing that needs to happen is those of us who know what time it is need to act and behave as if we know what what time it is to force the question out in the open. So our answer is no. Maybe that's next year's slogan. No. Something to think about. The answer is us. Let's find out. The answer is no. Yeah. Like that. Judson Noel asks, do you believe this prophecy has been fulfilled? Why or why not? This is Matthew 16, 28. Truly, I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Oh, boy. (laughs) Why why did you select this question? Because I wanted to see how you react to it. And I already, before you say anything else, I've already won. This is interesting. Because you could. I think Todd wanted you to get into red heifers or something like that. (laughs) Let me do what I would do to my kids if they did to me what you just did to me. And stall for time. By telling you about our friends over at realestateagentsitrust.com in these Todd's unemployed times. Bing! Yes, indeed, yes. Um, Where he will soon have even more time. I have great news for the Erzin family here with the holidays just around the corner. You'll have even more time to go and observe the heroic athletic exploits of your children after dropping that question on me. All right. (laughs) Make sure you dare not go into the real estate market without an agent that you know you can trust to guide you from beginning to end uh, because you can't take that for granted, unfortunately. That's why we do the vetting for you. Uh, We have thousands of agents still waiting in line to get listed in our database because we don't just take anybody. We make sure to vet them for you and to make sure that they have a fully verified full-time track record of success that you can trust before we recommend them to you at realestateagentsitrust.com. The process to get started is simple. Just go to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com, provide us with some basic info, and then our team will contact you to make an introduction to one of our preferred agents when you go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Now, I wouldn't know. Did I accidentally... Like trip into like color coded rapture chart guy territory. This is all, this is the Olivet discourse, or am, 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 right, Aaron? Or am I wrong? Uh, not off the top of my head, I'm not. I, yeah, I think it is. What is it, Matthew? What from Matthew? Sixteen. What? Okay, no, it's not Olivet discourse then. Okay. Um, depending on your eschatological view, there are a couple of different ways to interpret this. If you have more of a preterist view, which means you think a lot of the moments that the Bible describes as taking place in a future time, uh, you can be what's called a hyper-preterist. You think like they've all been fulfilled. You can be a partial preterist. You think some of them have been. You can just be a preterist preterist. You think most of them have been. Then you could take the verse that, you, that who was it that, that sent us the note? So I can address the gentleman. Judson Noel. So Judson, I could take that verse and say that that verse was fulfilled. The disciples saw Jesus' ascension after his resurrection. They saw his ascension. They were granted a great commission. None of them tasted death until they saw Jesus' ascension. And, that, and then he says, all power on heaven and earth has been vested unto me. Now go into all of the earth. So he is given all power. That power is vested into him. He now bestows a commission upon his disciples, and they did all live to see him come into his kingdom. That is one way to interpret that. That is not the way that that is interpreted in, in, in post-Schofield Bible notes, post-Plymouth Brethren, 
post-dispensational Western Christianity. And so that is taken to mean something that, uh, that deals with something more futuristic. And that's a long-winded way of me saying, I don't know. That was a great answer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Moving on, we have an anonymous listener who asks, do you know what November 22nd is? Isn't that the uh, anniversary of JFK's assassination? No. November 22nd, 1963. Maybe is it when, is. That's not what this was person... Killed? All right, what's this November twenty second then? It says it's okay if you don't. I love you regardless. Okay, I'm in trouble. Um, November twenty second. Wait a minute. Yeah, there you go. I think I know. Okay, is that the date that I met my wife? Bing, 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 Bing. Okay, it is actually the day that JFK was assassinated. November twenty second. That is the date I recall. Right. I don't know. I'm fa- I fascinated. That we're in this territory at all. What's going on? The boss of What's the wife, or the, the wife of the, the boss of the wife. wife. Wife of the boss texts uh, and asks for a, a, a favor on the show. I have to get that in. So so, so that's tomorrow is November 22nd, yep. correct? Yeah. Yep. Yes, I met my wife for the first time on November 22nd, 1995. So there you go. So he, is this? And that's also November 22nd, 1963 is when JFK was assassinated. Not by Lee Harvey Oswald. So do you have anniversaries? Like, is this an annual thing of that date? Um, no. We, 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 our anniversary is April 5th. That's when we typically okay. celebrate our anniversary. I don't know. I but, mean, yeah, I mean, I, but there's like benchmarks and stuff you remember. Sure. Yeah. No, okay. I didn't know if there was like, I mean, if she's stepping into the show, I just... Yeah. I'm, I'm, Which is a rare thing for her to do. I just think we should talk about this for a while, Steve. That's we, all I'm saying. We can talk about it as long as you want. <laughs> doesn't bother me. It's a very important date. <laughs> Now, what you need to know is one of the ways I remember stuff is because of sports benchmarks. Like I can remember what sporting event was taking a place when something occurred. And that's how I mnemonically will remember dates, right? So when I met my wife, Michigan was in, remember the old preseason in IT where they get a bunch okay, of big programs? Let's not talk about it. See, I, I told you we can talk about this if you want. Ugh. Michigan was in the preseason in IT playing Arizona on semifinal Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I think it was which was November 22nd or Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Yeah. So there you go. You asked. No, I, I didn't bring this up. You did. I didn't. Yeah, then no. you wanted follow-ups. Okay. No, I'm just the way the wheels turn endlessly fascinating. Endlessly. I am an amalgamation of very conflicting things. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, let's move on. Jason Faulkner says, if there are Republicans that will openly choose not to defend traditional marriage, how far away are we from them declaring war on Christmas by withdrawing its status as a federal holiday? All across the country, the last two weeks of December have already been renamed winter break. I mean, I, I, I think you have a much bigger problem. That Essentially, what Republicans are colluding with Democrats to do is to declare the United States federal government. And there's other signs of this, by the way. Like some of you have been told that the United States is in the World Cup that began yesterday. It is not. Rainbow Stan is in the World Cup. The United States is not in the World Cup. Do you know Do you know about any American team? That's your sport. You know about any American team in the World Cup? I do not. I mean, I, all I see is a, a guy, a bunch of people out there, just a bunch of white people wearing, you know, rainbow flags. That's a different country. 
All right. So you ain't wrong. Um, what these Republicans are colluding with Democrats and doing is declaring themselves anathema to the kingdom of God. Essentially, the United States federal government is about to declare open war on the Christian church. Open war, open lawfare. That's what's about to happen. And while it will suck for those that come in the crosshairs, right? You're going to, yeah, I don't, you know, just like we couldn't find enough lawyers and attorneys to take up everybody that needed an exemption from the jab and everybody that was looking to save their jobs from COVID stand, right? Okay. There were some good people out there, but they just couldn't handle the volume of cases. Uh, The Alliance Defending Freedoms of the World will not be able to handle the volume of cases they are about to see. But let me tell you who you really need to pity. The United States federal government. Because while on a micro level, that will really suck for those whose businesses, ministries, livelihoods are put into the crosshairs. On a macro level, the United States versus God. What odds do I have to give you to bet United States, Aaron? Uh, you could not. You could not. Who's probably winning that one, do you think? Uh, the undefeated one. Yeah. Because how many, how many previous ones has he lost? Zero. Zero. So how likely is it that he's going to lose this one? Zero. And so who are the losers here? Us. Us. The country you live in, they're going to lose. What does that look like? I don't know. You're already paying 485% higher inflation than you were before Donald Trump left office. How do you like paying, you know, 900% higher inflation? How do you like those things? That's what it looks like. I mean, mean, he's not losing. It'll suck for you. It'll suck for us. It'll suck more living here. But he's not losing. The country is. And that's really what they're doing. That's what happens when you shake your fist at God. That's what happens. And that's, that's going to be a lot more painful than instig- instituting another war on Christmas. Much of what you're already seeing, I believe, are the opening salvos of that. Since I was asked about eschatology, let me draw a parallel. The point of the judgments against Egypt is to individually judge all of the various false gods that they had been worshiping. The hope was spurring repentance, but then Pharaoh hardened his heart. So repentance wasn't on the menu. And so the angel of death is. That's what happens when you harden your heart. That's, that's, that's where the, that's the kinds of places this goes when the heart is hardened. Similarly, the bold judgments that you see, the seals that are broken in the book of Revelation, those are done to spur the rebellious to repentance. My buddy Dan Bongino tweeted over the weekend, and I tweeted out, amen, in response. Sadly, the country just hasn't suffered enough. Enough people have not suffered from these policies yet. That's one lesson beyond the cheating. One lesson this election showed us is just enough people haven't suffered yet. So they got to suffer more. And that's what you see in Revelation, that with each bowl, with each seal that is broken, just like you saw with the plagues on Egypt, the threat level here is raised. Because you didn't take a stern talking to. You didn't take a you're grounded. You didn't take a give me your car keys, you're never driving again. 
Where would you yet be struck? Yes. And so I guess now you got to take the belt. So enough people haven't experienced pain yet. And what the United States federal government is saying is, we dare you. We don't think you're God. We are. We shake our fist at you. We defy you to bring the pain. So it will come. Hope that it's a war on Christmas. Pray that that's all that it is. Next, we go to Sue Vajda. We'll get this in. I'll ask this before the break and tease as we come back. Steve, knowing what you know now about the political sphere and what's happening to the country, would you have taken a different path in life? Why or why not? You want to answer this now or get it uh, in on the other side? Um, my answer is definitely no. I would not have. And especially now that I've seen how good of a movie we made, because I think one of the last refuges that you can go, that you can go to for persuasion in America is storytelling. And, you know, after the 2016 election, I tried to get out of this business. No one could hire me. I was too politically tainted. I tried to get out of it. And I I was just kind of like, well, I guess this is what I'm doing for a living now. But the last couple of years, particularly with the advent of COVID, I realized this is what I was put on earth for. A 15-year-old girl, a 14-year-old girl had sex with a high school senior one night and conceived me. So I would be here for this point, right here. This is my purpose in life for, the, for such a time as this. And so I'm, I'm, I've more than made my peace with it. In fact, I'm excited, more excited than I've ever been in my career, despite the dreadful circumstances that you can see coming on around. Because in the end, as a man, I have something that the assuredness of purpose. And I think probably men want that maybe more than anything else. The assuredness of purpose. That that's where we derive our significance. And I have that. That's why I'm here is for, for this moment. So no, I would not. Uh, Patriot Mobile is helping to build the alternative economy. In fact, they're kind of uh, on the leading edge of it. They're, uh, it's the only mobile phone pro- uh, company out there that uh, doesn't hate you. It's the only really American mobile phone company out there anymore. And the good news is, while there are not a lot of places these days where we can avoid doing some form of business with those who do hate us, one place we can is with uh, a product we all pretty much have to have these days, a mobile phone. And that's where our friends at Patriot Mobile come in. Uh, their network is pretty much the same network as everybody else because pretty much the same network everybody else has. Everybody else has. All right, so you'll likely get the exact same network, but you'll get an upgrade in customer service and in peace of mind of knowing that you're no longer directly donating to companies who hate you and are trying to uh, make your values and way of life ex- extinct. If you want to sign up right now with Patreon Mobile, make the make this switch today. Get a free month of service plus a free activation. So a free month of service plus a free activation when you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Once again, that is patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Or you could just give them a call at 972-PATRIOT. Let's continue on with this week's Ask Me Anything. Aaron. We go to Greg Morton, who asks, you said more than once before the election that the best thing would be for the Democrats to win because it would expose the level of fraud. Do you still feel that way or did something else happen? I didn't quite say that that way. You said you wanted them to steal it. To steal it out in the open. 
And I don't know, did, did you guys read the letter the Arizona Attorney General sent Maricopa County on Friday? Um, that's up on all my social media networks. You guys should all go and read that. That is a very thorough letter. And it asks for very specific things. And that'll provide you some clarity. Either the answers he will get will be not satisfactory. And then you'll find out if anybody has the political will to do anything about it. Or this thing is just a complete and total publicity stunt. So he won't get any answers at all. Or he'll be satisfied by the answers he gets. And then we'll... We'll look at those answers for ourselves and determine, are those satisfactory to us? But that absolutely takes us to some step of clarity. You bet. I mean, you're, you're the entire conversation on the right about elections and how to participate in them has been radically changed and transformed here in the last two weeks, has it not? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're getting clarity. Now, <laughs> it would be the most Republican thing ever. To finally decide, I guess, if ballot harvesting's legal, we're doing it too. Yes, it would. And then turn right around and stab in the heart the very institution where you could do the most effective ballot harvesting through the church. I mean, that's, that's just as Republican as it gets right there. All right, fine. If we're going to do ballot harvesting, cool. We're doing it. But right after we get done... Sicking the federal government on the on on the one network of ballot harvesting we have at our disposal that would overrun anything they have. There's a lot more churches than nursing homes and housing projects. A lot more. I mean, can you think of anything more Republican than that? Fine, we're in. We'll do whatever it takes to win. Fine, you're right. We're going to do that. Let's make them squeal, but first, Steve. But first, let's go ahead and knife the network that already exists that would allow us to exploit that. Let's do that first. It's not a bug. Let's do that first. Let's knife the church first. And then have a whole bunch of pastors say, you know, I don't think I ought to let you in here to ballot harvest because I already got an IRS letter and I'm thinking that this probably wouldn't help my case to let you. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's the most Republican thing I can think of. Let's, Let's betray our base first. And then finally admit to them, yes, we need to exploit our base. After we've betrayed it at first, of course, after we've betrayed it, of course, there is nothing more GOP, nothing, nothing more team GOP than that. Nothing more. Next up, we go to Jacob Markgraf, who says, as a father of two under two with hopes of a third on the way, how do you balance being involved and active as a father while still working 10 hour plus days Monday through Friday? I get up and leave before four and work as an engineer. I want to make sure my kids know I'm there while still actively fighting the spirit of the age and making the world better for them. Excellent question. You're at a season in life where I could not have done what I am doing now when I was in your season with little kids. The, the, this is, we haven't talked about this in a long time, and this is one of the, my, the, the favorite things that I talk about that Todd likes. I want to go back to the open hand, closed hand thing. Okay? For men, we need boundaries. We need, we need disciplinary markers. We need accountability. Women thrive looking at an open-ended process and finding nuances within that process 
to either steer clear of or benefit from. Men require a beginning and an end. This is why when the wife comes home from work and talks about her bad day, she just wants you to share the experience with her and be there for her. Because she finds meaning and and purpose in the process. This is why you want to fix it. Because you find meaning and purpose in in the accomplishment, in the finished result. And so because of that, we can't afford to meander. We need boundaries. And, and so I made, a, I made a decision when my kids were little and they needed me the most. I wasn't going to go out and fight a culture war at the expense of my own children. Not going to do that. So you are in a season right now with how young your children are. You're imprinting with them, upon them. You're forming bonds now that you'll never get another chance the rest of their lives to forge. By all means, you would sin as a father if you did not attempt to take full advantage of that. That is your primary responsibility. And there isn't a close second. So that's in your closed hand. I do not lose my family, my children, I don't fight for other people's kids harder than my own. That's in your closed hand. That's a conviction. Non-negotiable. Now, as they get older and they're more independent, I have more time to do things now than I did before. So I was still putting in a lot of hours during the day. Every bit the amount of hours I do now. One, I just don't need a lot of sleep. I mean, I, I don't, I sleep five to six hours a night and I'm good. I don't, and, and I don't need eight or nine hours of sleep. So it's a few extra hours I get a day. Okay. But, um, when my kids were younger and they needed me more and mom needed me more, I spent a lot more of the, of those man hours being there for them. I've got a kid who's married now. I've got another who's a senior in high school. And she's far enough along in her homeschooling that she works almost full time at a nursing home. So she's got a job. She loves kids. So she has a job where she's there about four days a week, seven, eight hours a day. And I'm and my son now is full time in a Christian school. And he has extracurricular things he wants to do. So our schedule is more is free enough now that my wife could go back to school by her trade. She works part-time as a therapist. So I have more free time now in the season of life that I am in. I have more free time now to wage war. 10 years ago when the kids were littler and they needed me more, I didn't. So I did less of that. Outside of the show, I mean. And then there are things, you know, that there are still boundaries I still keep. When it's a weekend... You ask for my time on a weekend, man, it is very rare you are going to get it. It's not impossible, but these guys will tell you it's rare. That's either my time, my download time, or family time. I have to have a time away from this to not get consumed by it. So figure out what's in this closed fist right here, brother. What what are your non-negotiables right now at this season of life as a husband and a father? 
And the mistake that we as men often make is we put things that ought to be positions in this closed hand with convictions and things that ought to be convictions in the open hand with positions. Convictions, there won't be many. There'll just be a few. These are the hills you're dying on right now. Positions might be things you have very strong opinions on, but they're not necessarily hills you're dying on. And, and you can be flexible either in, in how much you really believe in them or how far you go in, in, in applying them. So in your season in life, my conviction was I don't sacrifice my children on the altar of trying to win a culture war. Got to win the war at home first. And it ain't won yet. Who knows? You know? I adore my kids. They adore me, but they have their own individual testimonies and walks with the Lord or lack thereof that they still have to figure out and iron out as they get older. But that's what you need to figure out as a man or a husband is what season in your primary responsibility. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and fight the culture. Or is that what the Bible says? It does not. It does not. And for that reason, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife is what the Bible says. Correct? Yes. Yes. That is your primary prime directive. Anything you do outside of that should not, should not be done without the blessing of that. That it shouldn't feel as if you are not fulfilling those obligations because of this other duty that you've put ahead of that. That is a sure way to lose your kids. A sure way to do it. Is that a good enough answer? Very good. You want to add any of that? Oh, no. I think I, I'm with you. Okay. Before we get to the rest of them, reminder about our friends, speaking of the alternative economy, as we just were with Patriot Mobile, download the app Public SQ for Public Square right now. Uh, they know that unless we uh, build an alternative economy, a parallel economy, the chances of changing the nation for the better go down as we are just dominated these days by woke corporations who provide a lot of the funding for the various nefarious elements that we are trying to defeat. Download, therefore, right now, the first app ever devised to connect freedom-loving Americans with their local communities and businesses that share their values nationwide. Whether you want to support the restaurant that buys farm-to-table locally, uh, the coffee shop that stood up against the COVID mandates, or the bank that says we're not canceling people because of your political views. If you're looking for those kinds of businesses to give your money, Public SQ is your guide. Download the Public SQ app from Apple App Store or Google Play today. Create a free account and just begin your search. And you can also list your business there for free so your local community can find you today. Download this app for Public Square, Public SQ. Public SQ is the app. Download it today. All right. We have another four questions, including this one from Cedric Wright, who asks, you had predicted Biden would resign by the end of the year. Since the tsunami didn't happen, do you still think they'll let the economy tank over the next six months or continue to prop it up? Also, when do you think Biden will now officially and formally vacate the Oval? I think all these things are up for negotiation now. Um if, if I had to make a prediction, I still don't believe Joe Biden finishes the year as president next year, because I do think you are looking at an even more severe economic uh, dip in the first quarter. That I, I could see them wanting to set up a rebrand, a reboot. Um, I could also make the argument, though, that this election makes it even easier for them. And we talked about that, too, about a week ago. You and I mm-hmm. did privately, because now it doesn't look like it's being done in weakness. Hey, you know what? I mean, he had the best midterm 
performance of a first-term president in recent memory. Like people like the, the direction the country is on, and we wish him well. And you know, here's your watch. You know what I'm saying? You could do it the other way too. I, I, I um. I, I just I don't believe Joe Biden will be the Democratic nominee in 2024, but I am not as certain about what that transition process looks like in light of the last election of results. Next, we go to Ken Jones, who asks, uh, what's your take on the Jesus Gets Us campaign? I'm I'm new to this. I've never heard of this. What is it? You haven't seen those commercials on TV? I, I have not seen any of them. I haven't even oh. looked into it, Todd. Have you? I've just seen the commercials, so I... What are, what are they? They just where, where, kind where, of... Where, where have you seen them? Well, first of all, where have you seen them College football. Yeah. Okay, well, how come... Well, it's not like I don't watch a considerable amount of that. How did I not... Football games see is where I've seen them the most. They're just... Let's do this of... live on the air. Okay. JesusGetsUs.com. Okay. Um, I keep meaning... I keep meaning to look into this. Because I mean, I'm, I'm not even heard of it. Yeah, he gets us.com. I don't know the background of all this. It seems like empty calories that are very fitting for... The family leader's Wi-Fi blocked this website. You're kidding me. Yeah, it does block it. You're right. Let me, go on, the, uh, let me go on the uh, yeah, cellular. I, go I, ahead, I have not even heard of this. Um, well. Let's see. Jesus gets our lives because he was human too. Got some featured yeah. articles. Jesus was fed up with politics too. Hashtag activist, hashtag justice, hashtag real life. Can I judge without being judgmental? Is the campaign, is this a campaign to get me to go to church? See, we've heard all this stuff. Who's behind this? Yeah, I'd want to know that. It, to me, it sounds like at best, I mean, um, seeker friendly stuff. A, a lame well. attempt to repackage Rick Warren, Joe yeah, Osteenism I mean, into a new era that's already moved on. Uh, that would be the best I might say about it, not even knowing who is behind it. I mean, if you're, if, if you're approaching, if you, if you are approaching the gospel, how do I want to put this? Let me put it like this. If you believe you have to defensively preach the gospel, you have already lost. Sinners are who should be on defense, not Jesus. So if, 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 if you're, if your evangelistic initiative begins from the premise that I have to defensively answer your soft-headed, sophomoric objections that don't stand up to even 10 seconds of true critical thought. As opposed to, would you like to not go to hell forever? You've already lost. You don't put the king of the universe on the defensive. That's either at best misguided or it's, well, false. But that's also the way we've evangelized this last generation. Like we have to apologize for it. Jesus died for his enemies. People who will commit heinous, terrible, cruel sins, including all of us. He doesn't have to apologize for anything. We do! <laughs> that's what repentance is. We're the ones that need to apologize around here. How's that for your answer? I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I just, if you're starting on the defensive... Sinners ought to be on the defensive. The enemy ought to be on the defensive. The spirit of the age ought to be on the defensive. Not the king of kings and lord of lords. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.